When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United and I'm stood with three smiling gentlemen inside the press box in an empty in Old Trafford after Manchester United have won the Manchester derby. Laurie Whitwell's next to me, Andy Mitten's looking at me, Carl Anker's nodding his head. Laurie, I'll come to you first. We're going to reflect, of course, on this game, preview Crystal Palace at some point maybe, but I think we'll probably just be talking about this match somehow. What a result. Yeah, huge result. The atmosphere at Old Trafford at the end was like nothing I've heard probably since that lockdown game, the, the, the derby before lockdown when Matsomini scored late on for 2-0. Real momentum it feels like about the place. Varane um, corralling the fans over at the far corner into Olays. Um, real togetherness with the players going on the pitch at full time. I don't know. If, I know it's 2-1 against Man City and there was uh, sort of dicey moments in that game and perhaps there's a bit of fortune about the equaliser. Perhaps. Yeah, OK, <laughs> we'll, we'll debate this because we have sort of slightly different interpretations, don't we? But I just think for the whole sense of the occasion, it, it's much more than just three points. Um, I think real credit to Eric Ten Hag, he obviously changed his team from what it was at the Etihad where they got torn apart. Much more defensively sound in, in, in the case of having players do specific tasks to stop Man City and really they didn't create anything until that second half and it looked like they were then going to put the foot on the gas and, and come away with it but for United to come back in that way hugely significant and the testosterone inside Old Trafford I'm sure people at home watching it felt it people inside the ground certainly would when that second goal went in that turnaround so quickly I was amazing happy. I was happy with the first goal honestly because I'm still surprised that United won I would have accepted a draw before the game I was fearful of Manchester City, not in the first half, but at the start of the second half. And word went round at half-time, Rashford's going off, Rashford's going off. Because Anthony was warming up on the pitch yeah. in his kit, and it seemed the obvious thing, didn't it? I'll be honest, I'm a really bad journalist. After 55 minutes, I went, that's Marcus Rashford, he's supposed to be off. <laughs> I just better delete what I've just written yeah. about him going off. I was in the tunnel, I was in the tunnel, and we usually get information through the match manager what had happened, and the message came through, number nine. And I was like, ah, oh, no, they mean number 10, don't they? Fourth official walk pass. I went, it's definitely number nine. Yeah, definitely number nine. It just seems so likely that Rashford would come off with that knock. Another goal for him. He's absolutely prolific. We could pick out six or seven players who were excellent today. I've been fortunate enough just to speak to one of those, Raphael Varane. I thought the whole defence was really, really good. Luke Shaw, by Luke the way. Luke Shaw, brilliant. But I thought Aaron Wan-Bissaka had a really good game. I thought Malassia... If, if someone said to me Malassia was man of the match I wouldn't dispute that too strongly I know that Bruno Fernandes got it the atmosphere was off the scale I thought the roof was going off this place we had the Manchester City fans to our right they were really noisy after they, after they scored the goal but 
when Old Trafford, when you get them primal screams when the team's attacking, yeah. it is the most <laughs> wonderful feeling. I'm pressing today world. as well. There was, there was tackles being cheered like those attacks. Carl, it was your first experience of a Manchester derby working as a journalist. What was it like sitting on your hands? Oh, I mean, I was barking and yelling, and I'm sure two or three journalists ahead of me was going, "What are you doing there?" Sorry, sorry. Um, remarkable. That was one of the first. Uh, the first half was one of the best coached games I've seen from United out of possession uh, and I, I know Ten Hag's an amazing coach but I've got to stop being so surprised when United play like a properly coached team Well, The, the players are listening and carrying yeah. out instructions as well which the managers talk, talked about in his press conference I think there's two or three moments in the first 20 minutes of United game this season where you go oh that player didn't do that last season that, that wasn't possible I've read uh, Ten Hag's got 21 wins as my United manager now uh, United last season got 20 in all competition so wow yeah, there's a transformation already. It's remarkable. What was that stat? Uh, 21 victories for Ten Hag as Manchester United manager at this point in time. United won 20 games in all competitions across all of last season. Oh, the entirety of last season. Yeah, yeah so that's, that does sound better than it did on the first, <laughs> the first listening. Marcus Rashford as well. There's an aspect of that performance from him that I'm not sure would have happened in the past and that is playing through the pain that's pushing through the knock that he got in the first half and still being effective working out how to use his body in the right moments to ensure that he could complete the match for United and staying on to score the winner do you think he does that if it's a previous season? He's played with swollen ankles before I remember there was that nil-nil draw against Liverpool I want to say early 2019 where like everyone got injured Pereira got injured Lingard got injured I think Bailly was injured in the lineup. that one and I know he, he took painkiller injections at half time I think but yeah I totally agree in terms of using his body there's been two or three moments this season where you've seen Rashford go oh that's not working let me readjust so a goal against against Arsenal he wasn't getting much joy out of Gabriel and then he goes let me test Saliba and then he gets the goal and then, you know, at halftime, he looked as if, I don't know, it was hip or groin or upper mm. leg, but he really looked like he couldn't go for a hip check with Kyle Walker. Uh, and then he just, again, reconfigures his game. And I think that's possible because he's got more weapons now. He's not just a, I'm going to cut inside from the left and have a pop. He can go outside, he can head the ball, he can collect the ball a lot more now as well, which, again, is just proof of just really good coaching from Ten Hag and increased belief from Rashford. And Garnacho, when he came on, made such a big impact. Anthony less so at half-time. Um, but Alejandro Garnacho's assist for Rashford's winner as well. It, there's, there's been something special about this lad anyway. We've seen that. We saw that in the FA Youth Cup last year, even for Manchester United. But there seems to be a real intelligence and a maturity for him as well, that he's making the right sort of decisions in these moments, the biggest of moments, setting up the winner in a Manchester derby. It was a crucial choice because he had the cross that got blocked and rather than kind of, I don't know, look for an easier pass, he realised that Rashford was still available if he just turned you know, towards the byline and City's defenders hadn't actually noticed or weren't paying proper attention. And it was a really shrewd move from him. He's obviously got the speed and the pace and the, the kind of stamina to, to go in late into games. We saw that in the FA Youth Cup where he was still having that acceleration uh, into the 90th minute. So he's a real asset to bring on as a substitute. Um, I mean, yeah, he, he started against Wolves, didn't he, and did okay in that game. But I think the, the element of coming on against sort of tiring defenders really yeah, sort of exacerbates his skills. 
And, um, and I just think that, I mean, when you look at Tenag's options, they were 1-0 down. He was looking to bring on McTominay and Martinez, which, you know, seems like a, a kind of crazy substitution to make maybe, but he explained it in the post-match press conference in terms of what he wanted. Shaw coming out to the left-back and providing more width, McTominay being higher uh, to, to press it off, off Man City, more energy. Um, but it does sort of show United squad depth, and we had Valt Regos in the stands today. But Vout to add to this, eh? <laughs> Vout standing. You've already used that. I'm, I'm using it again. I'm going hard <laughs> with it. I'm making it a thing. Um, but with Anthony Marshall going off and looking a bit ginger, I mean, he, he, he didn't really offer much in that first half, did he? The options for Tenag to, to change things aren't great. So that's what gives me the kind of scepticism about, you know, is this really a title challenge, which we might come on to a little You've bit. You've done the T word, Laurie, haven't you? You've gone. Um, but at least with Garnacho, you've got someone there that, that will come on and make a difference. I think just on Anthony quickly, I thought, yeah, he didn't do loads creatively, but I think what he did do was he harangued City's defence in and he made himself a nuisance. Yeah, it's the least he could have done in fairness in that second half. It was a really difficult sort of first period though, wasn't it, that he was settling into. I think around the hour mark, City had had something like 85% possession even in the second half. United were on the back foot. Let's do it then, Andy. <laughs> Are Manchester United in a title race? I'm thinking about this for the first time. Uh, I've never thought that Manchester United are in a, a title race but I sat next to Carl as Eric Tenag did his press conference and while he was listening like a good journalist I was studying the league table and going third how on earth are we above Newcastle United they like win every match don't they where are Chelsea and I'm still surprised that this is all happening I, I'm an optimist as people who listen to this podcast might know I don't think Manchester United will win the league this year but if United were to beat Arsenal then that closes right down. There's a midweek game against Crystal Palace. So there's three games this week. Are you about to spell out exactly what the position could be? No, but you are. <laughs> so, Manchester United have won today. That means they are, at the moment of recording, which is uh, four minutes past four, they are six points behind Arsenal. If Arsenal were to lose the North London derby at Tottenham, United win at Palace. United could actually go level on points is that right no they can go above Arsenal wow. by winning at the Emirates Stadium next weekend wow I'm not expecting Manchester United there's a few ifs in there in fairness there's, there's a load of ifs but United are winning every single match they're dropping very few points even when Hang on, makes... I need to rewind on this Laurie you, you've <laughs> just got your calculator out haven't you they can go level on points but the goal difference is still as Andy Mitten well knows I mean we're into the plus eights here wow yeah. nose really double yeah. figures yeah, yeah. I am getting carried away. Yeah, we can on a day like today. I think this is the most significant result of the season. Liverpool felt it at the time, but Liverpool have not been as good as we might have expected them to. Tottenham felt it at the time, but Tottenham have fallen away. Chelsea away felt it at the time. So every time United beat a team, it seems that it's a knockout blow. We're putting them on the canvas and they're struggling to get up sometimes. And no one has done that to Manchester United since those first couple of games. The momentum is with Manchester United. Eric Ten Hag talks about that, about enjoying the moment, about when you get what United have now got, it's really special. And when I saw that team today, I'll be honest, I had doubts. Worried about Luke Shaw against Erling Haaland? I was, but he was fantastic. I was worried that Malassia would be targeted as he was in the derby in October. I thought he had a really good game, as I've already said. So, more power, and I've been saying this for three and four months now, 
to Eric Tanag, he gets he seems to get everything right. He's not going to win every game forever, but who's going to beat this Manchester United team? Arsenal were really good when they came here. That's a massive game at Arsenal. Do I think United are going to win the league? No. When City went ahead today, I thought, ah, oh, this is where we're at. This is it. You know, yeah. it's the first defeat since City. City are a better team than us. We've had a really good run, but this is where we're at. The, you, you, that goal was coming, wasn't it? Definitely. And the Stratford end were teasing Grealish, and he had to come on and then do what he did. Sometimes the players can put the, you know, the fingers up if they want to by, by their actions on the pitch. But do you think, do you lads think Manchester United are in a title race? Uh, yeah. No, I'm not going. I can't say title race. You know. The, Why not? I think the fact that Manchester United, Ten Hag wanted a striker, and they've had to squeeze out two point. 8 million to get Valtvekos rather than the 10 or maybe 20 million I thought they would have makes me think maybe not I do now think if Ten Hag gets his ideal things and if you properly furnish Ten Hag and get him the correct people on the recruitment team the correct scouting team you know you, you get what he needs for the fitness regime or whatever Manchester United could win a Premier League under Ten Hag at some point down the line uh, I think that first half was so the plan was so good that you know that starting eleven looked weird. Bruno Fernandes on the right, Luke Shaw left centre back, really weird. But then he's got Fred, who's basically shadowing De Bruyne the entire time. He's got Eriksen, who hasn't looked great defensively all season, but he's told Eriksen just make sure Rodri has a terrible day, and he's told both Rashford and Fernandes make sure you track back really far deep. And City couldn't do anything in the first half, and it's that thing of. I've seen Arsenal do that to Manchester United. I've seen Brighton do that to Manchester United. I've seen Liverpool do that to Manchester United. So for Manchester United to do that to another team so well makes me think, yeah, all right, I'm, I'm just going to enjoy whatever Ten Hag does for the, for the foreseeable future. What a lovely man. I understand the reticence to say that United are in a title race and maybe that they're building towards that in the future. But they've got a moment here where Liverpool are well off it. Manchester City today... Okay, had moments in that game, but their results of late have not been what you'd expect of Manchester City. Tottenham are probably slightly below where where they could be. Chelsea are way, way below it. There is a little bit of an opening. Of course, Arsenal's form is the one, but get a result at the Emirates next Sunday, and then are we all saying that they are? Yeah, you can't forever be thinking of the future, that we're going to get there. You've got to seize the moment sometimes. And look at that table right now. Six points off Arsenal, yeah, they've got a game in hand, but United still have got to go to the Emirates. So they have to win that game, don't they, to be you know in, in a title race. But the alternative is that Arsenal are going to walk away with it. Because if United aren't in a title race, then are Man City not in a title race? They're one point ahead and they're looking kind of ropey. I mean, it was really fascinating watching Guardiola uh, on the touchline all throughout the game he, he was concerned from minute one he was on the pitch at some moments the linesman had to tell him to get off the pitch he had a massive uh, sort of not row but a, a sort of you know arms gesticulating easy for you to say all over the place what was it doing? <laughs> gesticulating better there we go um all over the place at Erling Haaland in the second half and Haaland kind of gave him a bit of a shrug and, and there's something not quite right there even though he's scoring all these goals Guardiola was asked about in the press conference afterwards you know he wants more from him um, in, in terms of the team build up so our City having a, a little bit of an off season um, so I think you do have to seize the moment albeit you know you look at United squad and I've said before the depth the quality isn't there in depth to make those changes to kind of go through a season where they're still in four competitions and they could well get injuries you know we'll see how Martial's doing um, but I don't think you can sort of 
sort of push it forward to the future and say, we're not ready now. We're not going to go for it now because, you know, sometimes you just got to take what's in front of you. I think you're right about the seize the moment. We've got a new player coming in. We might have a Jaden Sancho coming back this season. We he don't was know. here today. Right, what, 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 what will happen there? And other clubs have got their own issues as well. One of the people who watch football for a living, not a journalist on the football <laughs> side, said to me at half-time, City are tired. That's really interesting. They're tired. Because I hadn't noticed that they look tired. And we're saying United need a top-class number nine. Most clubs in the world are saying something similar. <laughs> that they need uh, a top player in a certain position because they're not watching perfection every single week. Even when United were winning everything, there was always, right, we're going to need a new right-back. There was always a, a case for improving. So I like the idea of, of Laurie saying, seize the moment. There's a momentum here. The fans are totally on side. The manager clearly knows what he's doing. Look at the teams who've lost here. Old Trafford is now a fortress. The defence is not conceding goals. And this point about um, strength in depth, Harry Maguire got a big roar when he came on today. I think anyone would have got a roar when, when he came on today, to be honest, given the circumstances. But... There are players there. What if Anthony clicks? Because there's been issues with him. What if some of the players who are not performing, because half a dozen of them are not, start to do well? And they really find the stride. Then I might accept that there might be a chance of a title race. I just, I just really want to point out, right, it, it's 2023 and oh, we're... Don't burst this bubble just yet. I'm saying it's 2023 and we're talking about Manchester United potentially being in a title race before a crucial game against Arsenal. Just, just putting that out there. And Palace. We've got a game at Palace, haven't we? That game at Palace last year was the worst game of football ever. And someone should be refunding those travelling fans. I'm so glad that United are, are so far away from the team that went out that day and lost at Crystal Palace in the middle of that run of seven consecutive away defeats. Ten Hag deserves more credit than anybody. He's completely turned things around. I know I'm not going to get carried away, but he has done. He's made me miscalculate league tables for a start, so that's something. <laughs> Okay, a um, little bit of an elephant in the room. Laurie Whitwell's got a smug grin on his face. Um, there's going to be a lot of people moaning at me about this, I think. But anyway, let's have a little debate about it. The first goal. Offside or onside? As soon as we saw the replay show that Rashford didn't touch it at all, I was like, they're going to give this. And even when it was happening, I was saying in my head I don't know if I was saying it to you Carl you were sat next to me maybe, maybe I'm misremembering but I'm sure I was saying it somewhere just muttering it aloud muttering it don't touch the ball you're offside and you could see Fernandez was going to get the ball and on the replays I don't think that Kanji's going to get that ahead of Fernandez, and I don't know if Edison is that affected by the fact that Fernandez takes the shot because it happens at literally kind of the same moment that Rashford would have taken it that being said I'm seeing, I'm seeing Carl grimace, I'm seeing you grimace, I've seen 
Didi Haman and various other former professional footballers on Twitter say that it's offside and of, of course it's interfering with play. Pep Guardiola obviously says it's interfering with play. And even Ten Hag, I think, conceded. I can see it from the other side, but he didn't touch the ball. And the laws are, if you don't touch the ball in that situation, then you're onside. Yeah, one of the laws, yeah, one of the laws says making an obvious action which clearly impacts on the ability of an opponent to play the ball. So is Marcus Rashford running through on a through ball and literally stopping at the very second he is about to do something that touches the ball, not interfering. Do we care? I suppose that's the other question. Do I care? No, absolutely not. United have won the derby. Hooray. Um, I think we said this at full time. I don't think that goal is given if the away team scores it. Be it you know, United at the Etihad or, or City do that here. If I think that's one of those soft perceptible things where, yeah, right, we'll give it to him besides. Uh, <laughs> Casemiro's pass is a it's a fantastic through ball, very clearly designed for Marcus Rashford. Like you can't claim any anything other than that. And yeah, I was sat next to Laurie and I was a bit watching it in real time. I'm going, oh, why is Rashford not hit it and giving it to? Oh, it's a goal. Uh, and then you sort of see Bruno immediately run over to Lysman going, no, 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 no. I love this sort of hybrid thing that he created in that moment where he was appealing and celebrating <laughs> yeah. all at the same time. Fantastic. Incredible. A pioneer, an absolute pioneer. But. Um, yeah, I I can very much go along with the interpretation, well, with, with the idea that Rashford going for that run means that Kanji can't go for the ball and that Edison doesn't shoot off his line to the extent he would have. However, he didn't touch it, so... Yeah, and you know another thing as well? Bruno Fernandes deserves a hell of a lot of credit for working that out in that moment in the heat of the game, doesn't he? He gets a lot of stick for whinging on the pitch and being in the ear of the referee, but I think you need that. There was a moment in the first half when Malassia went down, he banged his head on the turf, and it was actually on, on replay. Again, you could see it was a, it was a hefty knock, and he was, he was going right up to the referee saying, come on, it's, you know, he, was, he got him to stop that game at that moment. And OK, you might say that's bending the laws, that's, that's not quite sportsmanship, but I think in these moments, it's just, and, and, you know, you know, we look at Sir Alex Ferguson back in the day, he would put pressure on referees, and I'm not saying that you, you want to go out there intentionally to do so, but I think in those crucial moments if you've got someone that's that way wired and that, that kind of force of personality that it's a good thing but working it out Andy working out that Marcus don't touch it I'll touch it you're offside I'll score and I'll go and run over to the uh, assistant referee and tell him what happened and then they'll give the goal and we're back in the derby and then Alejandro Garnacho will square it to Marcus Rashford in four minutes time and we'll win yeah if you could ask me about that goal I was going to say no comment with a little <laughs> smug smile you both mentioned Akanje. I thought he's a good player, actually. Impressed by him. It was a top finish. There you go. I'll let the nerds work out whether it should be a goal or not. Honestly. Is he referring to you and I there, Laurie? He's meaning me, yeah. yeah. I'm not, I'm not, honestly. I, I just know that I know that some people are really into discussing it, and I'm just not one of them. When that went in, I was like, get in there, and I'll just leave it at that. It got quite heated in the press press uh, conference room before Ted Hag came in. There's some like, you know, heated words about whether it was offside or not. Like, And these are guys that are supposed to be neutral, I would say, but this is just the kind of feverish debate that you get in situations like this. It's the laws of the game. Yeah. It can oh. bring out a passion that you just didn't know was there. I saw someone go up when City scored in the press box and I thought, that's really unprofessional. Like, they shouldn't be doing that. And I'm not in the slightest bit bitter as I'm watching <laughs> him going up. There was a City fan just near the uh, the away dugout down there, uh, sat in the Bobby Charlton stand. And you could see like all the sort of telltales behind going, he's a City fan, he's a City fan, get him out, get him out. I don't think that guy would have been happy that he stayed, actually, to, to see the turnaround in the game. Overall, though, Carl, I just think we need a moment to reflect on this. We, we've had so many times over the last 12 months, 18 months, where 
we've been reviewing games like this where it's not gone well. We've been talking about the mood of the fans. The players have been trying to explain what's happened. It is a completely different feel around this club. And it doesn't feel that long ago, does it? It, and and Andy talked about Crystal Palace, didn't he? Um, that was only May. Yeah. It's less than a year ago. It's like night and day, isn't it? Truly, I think you, you know anyone listening to this, you can look up the starting eleven from that game against Crystal Palace. I think it was like rare occurrence where Cavani decided he was fit and wanted to play football. Alex Delis was playing at left back. They lose one 0 to. Yeah, Hannibal was playing. Juan Mata was playing. Um, and it's not just the fact that some players are fit again and. It's just the variety of performance. Like every every single week, there's an arguable different man of the match. Uh, it's January, and I'm, I'm pretty sure the man, you know, the player of the season isn't going to be David De Gea, which shouldn't feel like a big deal. But there's probably going to be an outfielder getting player that you know, and he's actually played well as well. Oh, yeah. this, this is just really, really nice. Um, yeah, certain things will be, you know, questions marks. You know, can United play against a proper uh, opponent wants to do an aggressive press? We don't know. What's going on with Anthony Martial? We don't know yet. What's Valverde's going to offer? We don't know yet. But at the moment, you've got Marcus Rashford, who's probably the most informed player in the Premier League right now, and you've got Ten Hag, who is one of the smarter coaches right now. Who's got, seems to go everything on. Marcus Rashford scored in nine consecutive matches at Old Trafford in all competitions. I mean, that, that's something that the greats have never done. Have I write a book about him? Has he done any books? No, <laughs> <laughs> Carl, has he? One or two. One or two. <laughs> How's Ten Hag done this, Andy? He's raised standards, basically. He's got a diverse and very talented coaching team around him, people who challenge him, people who are not yes-men. His coaching team has got a good experience and also youth as well, so there's good ideas there. He's always looking to expand and bring bright people in. He just brought a Japanese analyst in. There's not many Japanese people working in Premier League football and I was tipped off about the analyst and told he's really really good. Manchester United are getting really really good people. I think the players are buying into what he's doing. I think they appreciate that he is consistent with all of them. They accept that if they're not playing well they're going to be dropped. I think Cristiano moving helps Manchester United helps several of the players. They never say it publicly, but I know for a fact they think that. It's because of his influence on them, being around the place, judging them, what? He was not a positive influence in the dressing room before he left Manchester United. Great player, we know all that, but there was a lot of relief when he left the club. And Eric Ten Hag is calling every situation right, not just with who he selects and who he doesn't, in terms of the discipline. I mean, he's good with the media. I think he's, he's witty. Uh, he's, he's the man of the moment. And he deserves more praise. Also, his recruitment has been good. Look at the plays he's brought in. He's had a little bit of luck with injuries. You know, Varane is playing all the time. Casemiro settled. That wasn't a given. So many factors are coming right for him. You know, he brings Malassia in. He starts... It doesn't do well, he has a bad game, he gets dropped. In the meantime, Luke Shaw has been doubly motivated to get his backside in gear. It's really telling. I think Luke Shaw's interview off the walls, he's given two or three this season, and you go, oh, I didn't realise Shaw is this mature now. You know, A lot of the reputation in his early United career was he wasn't really the most focused in training and often went, yeah, well, you know, I'm left-footed, I'm the best, don't really worry about it. Whereas now, the way he's conducted himself 
you know, I'm not, he's not the vice captain, but I wouldn't be surprised if one day, you know, second half, if Bruno Fernandes comes off, he hands him the armband. I don't think anyone would be annoyed at that. I think it's those tiny things is that in that the good players at Man United are now playing back to their level or even higher than what they were before. And yeah, Ten Hag has spent 200 million on four starters and a decent backup helps as well. Um, one thing I was also telling was Ten Hag, he gave an interview to Dutch uh, uh, football international and he said one big thing United need to do was get more leaders build a resiliency he's finding them yeah. within his squad helps that you've got two Real Madrid multiple time Champions League winners uh, but also yeah the fact you've got Luke Shaw who I think he's got an FA Cup and a League Cup since he's been at United and Europa League but now he's talking like he himself has won a Champions League once or twice which is fun final word on this Laurie United have won nine matches in a row it's the longest winning streak post for Alex Ferguson so the longest winning streak in ten years what's wow. Ten Hag got and done that Jose Mourinho, Louis van Gaal, Arnold Solskjaer, David Moyes didn't. I think uh, there's been. Can I start by saying the fixture list has helped? Yeah. I mean, if you look, you're at, allowed to, of course, because okay, yeah. because I, I looked, they looked through all those games, and you know they are the favourites in all of them. You'd say, apart from this one. So this, this is the one where you've gone, okay, that was smart, that was aggressive, that was uh, creative. You know, you had a plan A. It, they went behind and you had to change it and then it, it became you know plan B or whatever it was um, and, it, and it worked I think his adaptability is crucial as Andy said the standards I think the consequences that players now face for not performing not carrying out his instructions and it's actually pertinent to say that in at the start of the second half in the post-match press conference he said that wasn't good enough they slacked off in terms of when to press and also when to try and intercept City's attacks and, and it allowed City to get on the front foot and yeah, you know, were passive but I think that just having that kind of consequence for, for players, obviously we know about the discipline as well off the pitch and how that feeds into what you see on the pitch. I think you've got players there that are trying to fight for their place. Lisandro Martinez, the only reason he's not in this team is because he went away and won a World Cup with Argentina. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's, he's Probably fit. the celebrations maybe came into play as well a little honestly, bit. But honestly, he, he, listen, this is, I go off what I'm told, but he was in Buenos Aires for a day having that crazy celebration. I'm sure he had some, you know, alcoholic beverages, but he, he didn't go to uh, Taglifico's wedding party to come back early. And he was he was ready. He's been chomping at the bit for like weeks, and but he still isn't getting in the team because... Ten Hag likes what he sees from Luke Shaw, likes what he sees from Molassi, and he's saying, well, you've, you've got the shirt. It's up to Martinez to try and wrestle it off you. He, did. he had four pints of beer, that's it. He's a sensible lad, and he came back to try and win his place back in the team. Any it's cocktails? Difficult. No cocktails, no. He's, he's not a freak. Just sensibly named pints of beer. A man after Andy Mitten's heart, no doubt. Right, you join us again. We're in the middle of just clarifying some stats and working out exactly what's what. So if United... Sorry, hang on. I need to clarify this now. United have won nine matches in a row. That equals a record that Jose Mourinho also did, but it's still the longest winning run that United have had post for Alex Ferguson. If Marcus Rashford scores in one more home game, Carl, for United here at Old Trafford, what happens? That's the longest from any Manchester United player ever. I think he's equaled a record from a gentleman in the 60s who's got nine consecutive home games I'm looking at Andy and I'm just hoping has he got a chippy in Burnley <laughs> has any player scored nine 
consecutive home matches he's got a chippy in Burnley I tell you what while you look it up while you look it up let's talk about what you're going to write about Larry because people Uh, by the time this podcast reaches their ears are going to be looking on the Athletic for a reaction uh, I think what my focus will be is how significant this match is as, as, a, as a wider picture uh, and the fact that in just Ten Hag throughout it I mean he was he was calling players over I don't want to get too obsessive about this because manager does coaching during game <laughs> you know okay well done you're doing your job no wonder they're winning uh, yeah well there we go um, and, and obviously previous managers did you know Ole Gunnar Solskjaer definitely did this I mean Ralph Rangnick not, not so much um, but the um, the fact that he was bringing players over at different breaks of play and like talking to them and just you could see that he had ideas in his head and he was trying to convey them instantly and that kind of quick judgment in those crucial moments are all telling you know it's a 2-1 game it's, a, it's fine margins and if you've got a guy on the sidelines that's seen things before they happen patterns that can be exploited maybe and he's telling the players and they're taking it on board and going out on the pitch that's crucial so I just think that's probably where I'm going because as Carl's touched on that plan for the first half was, was really great he, he himself thought the players carried it out brilliantly you know and you reflect back on the Etihad game and that's what they didn't do he, had, he felt he had a plan there you can debate whether or not he was correct in that suge- suggestion you know Casemiro being on the bench we've, we've talked about on the previous podcast not playing Fred because that made a huge difference today didn't it looking after De Bruyne well that was it he's obviously got a specific task there hasn't he you know just be a bit more conservative so he, he didn't fight fire with fire he wasn't like we're going full throttle and, and we're taking it to Man City it was smart and he, I think he probably learnt from that earlier experience but also you know at Brentford for example the play weren't carrying out the job requirement but as Andy touched on and, and it's not it's not to make him a scapegoat here but Cristiano Ronaldo did influence that whole attempt by Ten Hag to get players pressing in the right moments because Ronaldo was resistant to it you look at the way Marcus Rashford sprints now when he's when he's coming back into his own half tracking Kyle Walker for example it's full pelt it's not like sort of half jogging and kind of showing as if you, you're trying to do the thing that you're being asked it's, it's fully commitment so I think that's kind of where I'm going with my piece anyway I'll let you piece it together over the next 12 hours or whatever you usually take. Andy, what are you writing about? Can't wait for that one, Laurie. You've just told us that. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to subscribe now. <laughs> I'm going to write colour. So I was making notes. Uh, I was outside the ground mixing with fans, speaking to City fans, speaking to United fans. I've, I made a note of just about every chant between both sets of fans. So something a little bit different because... The Manchester mood, sampling that. Yeah, we interviewed Cantona the other day and he just said without the fans it's absolutely nothing and you saw that in lockdown you saw these supposedly amazing teams and it was just wasn't even worth the games being played so I thought the atmosphere here today was really really good City fans did play their, their are you going to put an asterisk against the Premier League title win with those words any team who won the Premier League during lockdown, and I can't think who, who won it, should have an asterisk against it. That's fair, no? Who did win it in, in um, lockdown? Yeah. <laughs> Carl, what are you writing about? Uh, my piece is already up. So that, I did an on-whistle piece with Mark Critchley. Uh, and yeah, we just broke down tactical plans, uh, how Haaland was shackled, uh, Rashford's good form, and also anti-Marshall as we're trying to figure out as, as Laurie said, he did walk around a bit gingerly, somewhere between limping and, and a pained sprint. So, uh, yeah, got to figure out that. I also had that moment where I went, oh, I forgot how old Anthony Martial is. He must be at 25. And then he's like, oh, he's 27. I always forget this. 
Yeah, and he's been here much longer than yeah. you ever care yeah. to imagine as well. I'm sure everyone listening to this will want to revel in Manchester United's derby win just that little bit more. So go and read those articles. They'll probably be up on The Athletic by now if Laurie has finally finished typing it up. Remember, if you're not a subscriber, there's a special podcast price on offer at the moment. It's £1.99 per month for the first year when you go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. It gets more profound, doesn't it? You're nodding. You want to say something, don't you? I just wanted to ask Andy for more info on this Cantona interview because it sounded like a great event and you bumped into a few people, Andy, did you? Yeah, did. Um, would you have recognised Rai? The World Cup. <laughs> can't believe he's teed me up for this one, but yeah. Well, That's a Casemiro through ball, that. <laughs> right. Mrs Mitten teed you up for it many years ago, I believe. So my wife said of all the men she ever fancied was... The number one was Rai, right? So I think he was like the Harry Styles of his of his day. I can just imagine. I can just imagine the conversations in your household to actually compare notes on these sort of like we obscure crush. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with Elizabeth Hurley. That's got to be said on, in, in public. So I'm waiting for Eric Cantona the other day, and I see out the corner of my eye, and I think that's not Rai, is it? In in Manchester, in the, and it, it, it was. So I go up to him. And this is a good opening line. I've got a be fair to myself here did mrs mitten give it you no she didn't because she didn't even know she didn't know anything about him because she fancies me now she doesn't look at other men <laughs> so i went right i said hello um my name's andy i'm a, a journalist i i once flew to sao paulo to meet your brother and spent a day with your brother do you know who ray's brother is i do okay but i'm not going to spoil it for people at home. again i know but only because you've told okay. me the story off, off air a lot of people don't know. I have no idea. Say Socrates. Is it Socrates? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I spoke to Rai, a lovely, intelligent man. So why are you here? He said, I'm friends with Eric Cantona. And I'm privately thinking, that is one cool friendship. Seriously, proper cool. They're basically funding Michael Brown, the artist. I think it's wonderful. And, and go to that exhibition at National Football Museum. It is spectacular. I didn't tell Rai that... My wife fancied him for years, but I did immediately send a picture of him. <laughs> she just replied, how the F are you with him? What's going on here for this to happen? He's my crush. She said, he is really, really good looking. Just totally blank the fact that I was with him. I'm like, nice one, love. Yeah, so is your mate. She's lovely too. Well, what better way to leave it? We're all a bit giddy after that result for Manchester United and I can't think of a more perfect way of signing off the podcast and with an Andy Mitten story about one of his crushes on his wife's friend. So, yeah, anyway, thank you for listening. Laurie, thank you for being with us inside Old Trafford. Thanks for having me. It's a nice one in there, wasn't it? Yeah, it's been good, hasn't it? Thank you, Andy. Thank you, I've enjoyed it. I hope the listeners have as well. We're all smiling. It feels wonderful. It really does. Carl, thank you as well. Thanks, everyone. I'm fully corpsing right now. <laughs> See you on the next one. Apparently we're playing Crystal Palace. Maybe we should have previewed that. Never mind. Bye-bye. Athletic.